Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. everyone and welcome to the inaugural sort of episode of the Trek Culture Podcast. I am, of course, Sean Ferrick, and joining me is the man, the myth, the legend, Ellie Littlechild. It's lovely <laughs> to have you here. Um, our special guest of the week. Oh, of course, joining me is the godlike creature himself, Tom C. Finn. How are you, Tom Roberts Finn? Because I got in trouble about that before, didn't you I? Did. Yes, I you did. did. I've noticed now that every time you say my Twitter handle, you're really thinking and concentrating when you're saying <laughs> yeah. it because you got it wrong. It is annoying that I had one name and then I changed it because I got married. And then I've also kept it one way on some social medias and I've changed it on others. So I have made it difficult for you. It is funny, though, when people get your name wrong, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, It's funny when people know your name and still put it wrong on things, isn't it, Tom? Yeah, if anyone doesn't know, I famously got Ellie's last name, well, all of her name wrong multiple times for like, I think like five or six times in a row. <laughs> First, I kept putting your name as Sean Ferrick. <laughs> <laughs> well, we look identical, so fair yeah. enough. Right. Oh, I should also say I'm very ill. So if there's coughing, which I haven't edited out, I'm sorry, everyone. I think at the beginning, was I was so used to Sean just being the only person on the channel at this time. So I didn't even think about changing the name at the end. So it was always Sean Ferrick. And then I managed to put your name as Ellie, and I was so proud of myself. But I put Ellie Littlewood instead of Little Child. If I can explain myself now, hey, this is a perfect time to explain this. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> um, but here's some breaking news. I've been writing a novel for like the last three years that Sean actually knows about because we've discussed mm-hmm. it a bit. Mm. And in my novel, it's a fantasy novel, there's a town called Littlewood. So that was why it was in my brain. <laughs> and Littlewood was just made so much sense to me. And then when it was like Little Child, I was like, Little Child surely isn't her last name. Surely it's Littlewood. <laughs> that, that is how most people react when they hear my surname, to be fair. Are, are you serious? Especially when they find out that I'm actually five foot one and very small and... Um... <laughs> They that think is, it's that, a joke. That, that is true. Myself and Ellie, we've met in person once and she walked around the corner and I was I'm, I vividly remember my first thought being like, oh my God. And my second thought being, where's the rest of you? 
<laughs> well, I first thought it was because I knew you from like the Doctor Who stuff you did mm-hmm. that it was like a Doctor Who reference that you made like your online name. No, like, it's my real name. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome everybody to our first podcast. We're going to start today with the hot topic of the week or the past few weeks, which Sean, what do you, what would that be? Well, we have a couple of options because yes, the big one for the last while would have been Star Trek Picard's third season, of course. And we have now the upcoming Star Trek Strange New Worlds. But we also, since we sat down to do this structure, we have Star Trek Infinite is on the way as well, for which we will get more details on Star Trek Picard Day. With, no, Picard Day, June 16th. Oh, yeah, it's just Picard Day, not Star Trek yeah, Picard Day. I'm just so used to saying Star Trek, Star Trek Picard, Picard recently. Yeah. yeah. I, I call everything Star Trek Fleet Command for some reason. I don't know why. It's just a phrase that's stuck in my head. I like that. I like that. Probably because the amount of times you've edited me doing an ad, like, you know, Star Trek Fleet Command, Star Trek Fleet Command, Star Trek Fleet Command. Yeah, yeah. Get it. It's Star Trek Fleet Command, Sean. <laughs> you got the title in. Well done. <laughs> yeah. You get paid more money the more you say the name. <laughs> oh, Lord in heaven. <laughs> Star Trek Infinite. So... We did a video on it recently, made by the same people who do Stellaris, which I've played a little bit of. If this is helpful for people listening, I actually have played a tiny bit of that game. Uh, my friends were big into it, and they tried to get me to play it, and I played it once, and I went, this is boring. <laughs> um, oh, my God. But no, it's it's a fun game. If you're into those type of games, it's great. Uh, it's one of like the most successful in those types of like strategy games, but it's just not for me. I'm more of the hacker slasher put down after playing for half an hour kind of player. Is there, has there been a game for Star Trek that's actually been like this, like playing uh, factions in different parts of the galaxy? I will be honestly, I'm not sure. I know, obviously it seems to be taking a bit of inspiration from tabletop uh, Trek, of which I know there is rather a lot. As many of the comments on that video pointed out, they went, Sean, you're clearly not a gamer, are you? Like, mm, that is true. That is that is very true. Um, I think I think I said something like, you know, oh, did you know they have Star Trek on like consoles now? That's that that that's a thing they did, you know. So, um, but I think top level, no, I don't think they've done something quite like this where you can play. So, Ellie, you can play as Federation, Romulan, Klingon, or Cardassian. Okay. Um, I don't know. M- m- maybe the despots among us will be like, hmm. See what the Cardassians are up to. Yeah, they uh, yeah. they like to be in they like to be in control of things. Look, I am delighted there's a game coming out, but you see, we have so little information about it because it was the teaser to the trailer that yeah, dropped there yeah. during the week. So the trailer, more details being revealed on June the 16th, which is, and no, I'm not padding for time, which is Picard Day because it corresponds with Stardate 4745. 7.1, which is the star date of Captain Picard Day in the TNG season seven episode, The Pegasus. Boom, gotcha. Boom. I'm, yeah, love it. <laughs> you want to know something, right? I was really proud of myself, right? I'll be honest, I didn't know the star date and I wish I had your brain sometimes, but I was really proud of myself for knowing what Picard Day was without having to ask someone what it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, I get that reference. I've, I've, I've watched star trek for most of my life but even even now when someone makes a reference especially within our circle and i get it i'm like oh yes i don't feel like an idiot for once i don't feel like i'm not supposed to be here <laughs> i just i just i just I've stopped feeling so lonely you know, <laughs> yeah. no, like you know we're talking so someone says oh yes i get that episode and i'm just like finally <laughs> <laughs> the picard day actually is one of my favorite bits from tng mm. that whole bit is so 
good. Like when they started realizing the the kind of humor they could do with Picard and sort of making fun of his uncomfortability with uncomfortableness with people and children. It's it's so funny when they take such a serious character and put him in a situation that he's like he hates and everyone else is sort of making fun of him around him. When I was editing the the video the other day for this, just looking like freezing on those shots of him like folding his arms and looking down at the floor it's so good (laughs) for over two centuries you're listening to the federation news network strange new worlds obviously will uh drop on june the 15th so as of recording it is this coming Thursday, we have seen a screener, so we have seen the episode. Of course, I will not give anything away, but uh, I think people will be happy um, that Stranger Worlds is back. You know, we have the season one set the tone so well for what it was going to be. Um, and the the funny thing, I think, and what do you think about this, is that we have a whole season of Stranger Worlds coming and everyone's so excited but every single one of them just wants to see the crossover with Lower Decks first. Yeah, yeah. me included. That, that, that's all I'm really interested in. Well, I want that out of the way. And like, okay, okay, I'll enjoy the rest of the season now. Like, All I want to know is how they've done it, why, uh, the interactions between everyone. I'm so excited to see that those worlds. And also I feel like they've made a smart decision by crossing those two sp- specifically. Like if they went into Discovery, it would be like, this is weird. Everyone's crying, and then there's these two goofy characters jumping about the place. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> poor Discovery. I suppose um, there's something to be said for the, the how clever they've been with the marketing there then, though, as well. Because as you've said, that's, that's what everyone wants to see. And so everyone's going to be tuning in because they can't wait to see how that's explained. So there's something to be said for, well, you could have kept that a big surprise and everyone would have been really shocked. But would people have been as interested if you hadn't teased those characters being there? Especially because they aren't characters that you see in real human form. They're they're Mm. cartoons. So it's interesting to see how they're going to approach those characters in a different format. When when the characters being designed for Lower Decks, they clearly just went, right, Tony Newsom, stand there. We're going to draw you. That's Mariner. And then likewise with Jack Wade for Boimler. So seeing them in that teaser where they're, you know, in in live action, you're like, wow, this is actually so cool. This shouldn't work. But it absolutely seems to be working at the moment, which which I love as well. And of course, the eagle eyed among them um, tagged me about 70 million times going, hey, Sean, did you see that they've slightly changed the lower decks uniform just for live action? Are you going to get a new one? And I'm going to say I want to, but I need savings. I need savings. I wonder as well, like, because I think Strange New Worlds, as far as I'm aware, was pretty successful. People liked it. Mm. But I don't think it, you know, compared to now Picard, season three, it didn't have a huge sort of, it didn't infect everywhere where like Picard did. Obviously, Picard brought back old viewers, new viewers, etc. where Strange New Worlds sort of has its own niche it's like uh, if you like discovery but you like this stuff more than what discovery did here then you'll like strange new worlds so that brought those people i wonder if if they didn't do this crossover if people would be that interested i don't know i hear you i hear you um 
And I think as well, because I think that's a fair point without it being, it's not a comment on the quality, it's a good show. But it's still, even though it's Star Trek and it's, you know, there's all the jokes about it being, it's the longest ever pilot to series, 60 years, whatever. It's still brand new. I mean, we're only in season two. Whereas Picard, while yes, it was season three of Picard, it effectively was season eight of The Next Generation. Yeah, you know, so you have that history, and I know there's going to be people involved in the show will hear that and be like, "We're definitely not the next generation." I know, I know, I know, but the entire crew is back. You have all of that, you know, you have that history that comes with that, and you don't have that with Strange New Worlds, even though we have Spock, even though we have Pike, it's still very new. So that's why, in in my head, I think there was, you know, a late night session where everyone was eating takeaway, and you know, they went, "What?" we just mix it up with the cartoon what what if we do that you know and someone probably went we get the ratings up and i don't think that the ratings weren't bad but i think we would all be a little bit naive to think that that didn't play a part yeah but that's the thing as well though isn't it that's the nature of crossovers you kind of combine two fandoms into one and i know it's all one fandom for star trek but you do have perhaps people that do watch one of them and don't watch the other and then you mix them together and suddenly you've doubled your audience. Yeah. Yeah. I guess Star Trek, the only other thing I can think of would be Star Wars, where it's a an IP that has been going on for so long and that has currently so many different variations of itself that it's not just that you're a fan of this thing. You're a fan of a thing within the thing. Yeah. So like it's like you can be a Star Trek fan, but you can hate everything that's on at the moment except one or you can love everything that's on at the moment except one like there's so many variations you can be as a star trek fan right now which is actually quite interesting i don't know if it's you know i mean obviously they'd prefer everyone to like everything Mm. but it's that kind of um i mean it's the streaming mentality now it's like let's just put everything out and then what some of them will probably do well yeah i think maybe not necessarily so much for the older stuff but maybe with the newer stuff i think there's definitely conversations amongst those creatives of targeting specifically different people so if you look at prodigy that's aimed at a younger audience purposefully and so it's kind of they're trying to broaden their audience by making different different series that are aimed at different demographics to widen their audience yeah Mm -hmm. So you might not necessarily be a fan of one because you're not really the demographic. I I think it's funny as well, like when you have Lower Decks, which is, Lower Decks is a very successful show. It's got new fans involved in the franchise and yet Lower Decks is clearly created for existing fans. Um, I mean, with the exception of Picard season three, our citation observations for Lower Decks are always way, way, way longer than Strange New Worlds or Prodigy or Discovery. Um, so, and it's, it's always because let's have fun. We'll throw everything at the kitchen sink, you know, and the nature of it being a comedy, you have a throwaway line that has us looking for a screenshot for three hours, <laughs> uh, you know, from an episode from the original series second anyway, but, um, and yet it still managed to be successful. I uh, just rewatched the uh, DS9 episode yesterday as well, which is just like, ah, there we go. That'll, uh, that'll have me in tears for a while. <laughs> Now, if we look at Star Trek Picard's third season, which, of course, every week you had cetacean observations that were about as long as the discussion of the episode itself. It's been obviously it's been analyzed and it's been reviewed, obviously, by ourselves. But 
now that the dust has settled a little bit, top line thoughts, what do you think? Is it the best thing that's ever been made in Star Trek's history, or are we looking at Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, finally being knocked off the bottom perch? Okay, I'll, I'll start with my opening statements, and then, Elia, we can move on to you okay. as someone who is... I'm actually interested because, you know, Ellie is... Uh, Star Trek's always been in your life, right, because of, like, your mum. But you're, it's it's a newer thing that you've actually sort of gone into yourself. Yeah. So your your thoughts on something that's sort of calling back to such a, to, like, the older show now, I think will be different than how, like, I view it and how Sean views it. So I'll be mm. interested in knowing that. For me, it's an interesting one. And I think that's the best thing about it. And I, 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 th- I think this about a lot of films, right? There's some films that come out that are very polarising, Say things like Joker and, and like a new Tarantino film. There's some films that come out that people have extreme views on. People love it. People hate it. People are discussing it constantly, even to this day. The meaning of things, um, whether this is a good thing they've done, whether this is a bad thing they've done. And I prefer that over any new sort of wishy-washy Marvel film that comes out that you then forget about in the next month or so. Because at least people are talking about it. at least this is art that is getting discussed again do you know what i mean which i think could be the best thing about the new season three picard show there are when it first came out people were very on board people were like you know not to there's lots of people that say star trek has been dead since blah 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 um new star trek isn't star trek all that crap i mean that's crap obviously if star trek you can like it you can not like it the fact that it's not Star Trek is meaningless. This is Star Trek season three. Star Trek season three. Picard season three is a is a, is is doing what we had before, which is what people liked and what for a long time people have been wanting again, and what people have been saying they've wanted. Um, and they did it, and it worked. So that's an interesting thing to, already. You know, the thing that people have been saying they wanted, they did, and it did pay off. At the same time. Not all of it paid off. The season wasn't perfect. There are whole episodes that are kind of full flat. Ideas don't really make sense. Um, you know, it, it it did this. It, it did rehash things in Star Trek that I don't like. It's the Borg again. There's this main thing, this set that's going on for ages, and then it's then it's fixed, and now it's something else, and it's the Borg. You know, it's it's not a perfect show. Is it a good idea that we're just going back to what we've done before and redoing those same things and having old characters and ignoring all the new characters and the new diversity that we've been seeing? And this is what I mean is my bottom line is, isn't it interesting? Isn't this new season interesting compared to some of the other stuff where it's been like, yeah, it was all right. Yeah, no, I definitely, I can see that. Um, And I agree with you. It's probably better to have something that people are talking about for for better or for worse than something that nobody even remembers watching yeah so that's that's definitely something to be said i think i was already watching the next generation when all this talk of season three came out so although obviously you guys have watched it countless times um up until now to me it was all still very new and i actually had to kind of rush through the ending of it to try and catch up to season three because I didn't as you've said this is something that is very much linked to what came before so although you could watch it without having seen anything beforehand it did maybe isolate a group of fans who hadn't seen some of it like I feel like if I hadn't watched The Next Generation I I would have been confused 
I wouldn't know what was going on. But having said that, I think there's only elements of it that I needed for it to make sense. So for example, I hadn't seen Voyager at this point. So I knew who Seven of Nine was. I knew the basics of her backstory, which was enough for me to understand what was going on for her character without me needing to have seen every episode that she'd been in a Voyager up until this point. And there were points and there were lines and references that I didn't understand, but it didn't sully the story for me. It was I was aware that, well, that was a reference to something that I haven't seen yet, but it didn't make it didn't ruin anything. So I think it kind of there was a good balance of obviously there was a lot of fan service and a lot of callbacks to two the next generation for obvious reasons. But I I don't think it isolated people who hadn't necessarily seen everything or don't watch things as in-depth and as much as we do that might have forgotten some of those things that were being referenced. And I think it also kind of maybe some things they'd forgotten about and all of a sudden they go, oh, actually, yeah, I forgot that happened. But now you've said that, I've just remembered this episode from The Next Generation. So that was quite clever. I think for for myself, um, and I won't spend too long on this because there's, there's 10 episodes of ups and downs, like you know how I feel. <laughs> um, overall, now I loved the nostalgia of it. Um, and and if that if there's one word to describe season three, it's nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed it uh, because I am that person that I grew up with the next generation. I watched Voyager as it was airing. I watched DS9 as it was, you know. So all of that made, you know, gave me the warm and happies. Um, there are definite bits that didn't work for me one or two character returns that caused a bit of a raised eyebrow with how things uh how things played out um and any series that has to fill you in on a backstory while also trying to do it as quickly as possible runs the risk of exposition dump and with the love in my heart there's a lot of exposition in in season three of Picard, because because of the story beats they chose to go with, they sort of needed to be. Because yes, let's talk about the Dominion War, for example. Uh, so I know, for example, there are people who have not watched DS Nine. They'll be like, "Great, what's a Dominion?" Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll be like, "Great, okay." So you will have to, as organically as possible, fill people in on what the Dominion is, while also trying not to overload the people who do know what the Dominion is because, you know, you have that problem of it. Do you know what I, I call it? The uh, like when you watch any film ever where two siblings interact and the first thing they do is, hey, bro, hey, <laughs> sis, like people don't talk that way. Yeah. You know, me and, yeah. me and my sister do because we do it as a complete send up of all of that. All right. sis, <laughs> yeah. As if we forgot who each other were. Uh, and there is a there is there is a little bit of that going on. Um, I do think, though. That this is where it's interesting having the, the viewpoints of someone who, from your perspective and my perspective, because I think our views then are very different in terms of that. Because as someone who wasn't familiar with all the details of the Dominion War, I felt like I was given enough information to understand the the things that had happened to lead to this situation and had enough information given to me that I could go, okay, this is what happened. This is what's going to happen. This is the relationship between these people. For me, as someone who didn't know that, I felt like I was given enough. But it's interesting to hear from your point of view as someone who has seen all that, thinking, why are you telling me this? I already know this. So that is really interesting. So there's there's characters in it I I didn't really, I didn't really like Jack Crusher. Um, I wanted him like him more than I did. And I think the show thought I was going to love him. But I just kind of found him, okay. it's just irritating sometimes, other times charming, 
other times a bit creepy. Um, and you know, I've I said this to you guys before. The whole young guy drinking whiskey all the time just makes me cringe a little bit. Not that young people can't drink whiskey, but when you're doing that sort of like, oh, I've lived a life, man. Oh, I'm gonna drink whiskey and have a cigarette. Like it just like just doesn't work for me. Um, I think he could have been a very good character, but he was overshadowed by people like Captain Shaw mm. and and mm. you know new characters like that, which they then killed off. So like there was weird decisions that just went. It was like, oh great, oh no. Um, the first, think, sorry, go on. I, the only thing I was going to say about Jack Crusher, the one thing that did bug me is that we were expected to believe that he was like, what, 20, 23? How old is he supposed to be? Yeah. I mean, I am 25 and yeah. <laughs> the two of us next to each other, he's clearly not, he's clearly <laughs> much older than that. And that was the only thing I just couldn't quite get past. He doesn't look in his early 20s. <laughs> no. I know. I, I, I took a bit of heat for making that point as well because... I am not shaming Ed Spilliers, who is an incredibly handsome man. But listen, he'll be the first to say as well, he doesn't look like he's 23. Yeah. You know, so it's just like, and maybe that's what it is. Maybe he is 23, Tom, but he's just been drinking so much whiskey. <laughs> yeah. that, um, he's screwed you know, off his just, liver. He just needs to put the whiskey down. But that's that. That's what it is. That's what it is. Maybe, maybe we can stop it here. And he just, by the time he gets to 50, he'll look exactly the same. And yeah. then it would be fine, you know? <laughs> It's, um, I think it's fine when you're like, if you're a 12-year-old watching this, anyone above 20 is an adult to you, so you don't really know the difference. But then once you get past it, you're like, okay. That is so true. Like, do you all remember that time, like, you know, when you were a kid and you looked up to someone who was just like, oh, wow, you're like 25. You've yeah. got your life together. <laughs> yeah. I was I was saying this to my, my wife the other day. We were watching a game show and someone was like, oh, yeah, I'm a uni student. And when I was a kid and someone was like, I, I, I study at uni, I'll be like, wow, that person, they, there must be some sort of like uh, thespian or something. Like I, I can't <laughs> even believe that they study at university. And then you get older and you're like, every single person studies at university. <laughs> like it literally means nothing anymore. But it's it was, just a three-year party. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just mucking about for a couple of years and and getting into loads of debt. Great, amazing. Um, for me, the first four episodes of season three of Picard were standout and amazing. And I was so hooked and I couldn't wait to watch the next episode. And I was on the edge of my seat. And as people who know me, would be surprised by that because I'm a cynical asshole who doesn't really get excited by anything. <laughs> and I actually was invested and I couldn't wait to see what would happen next. I think they did those episodes brilliantly and set up the sort of thing that maybe me and a lot of other people were wanting in Star Trek was that sort of, you know, you're, you're in a ship and there's another ship and there's something happening and you've got to figure it out. And it's, although there is action and it is tense it's people sort of trying to do their job and and trying to do it the best way they can and be professional and and you know what are the consequences if you break the rules here those sort of things um that they sort of did in a way that we've seen before in some of the old movies and some of the old tv shows and you still get it in the newer seasons but they sort of do it in a different way that doesn't work for some people basically they made the mistake of listening to patrick stewart and doing the first two seasons the way he wanted them to do which didn't work basically you know it um for me they didn't really work in how you wanted to be and then they finally he finally gave in and did what all the people wanted then all the fans wanted to happen and it worked if they did season three first in the way that they did it 
and they and they did the maybe not even the way they did the first. Imagine if they did the first four episodes, and then it was something else. The next four episodes was something sort of different, and it was like its own next thing. I think that could then set up where Star Star Trek could go, like what we've been talking about with legacy and things like that. That's a great setup. You know, here's the characters you remember. They're doing this. They've got their resolution. Forget about those silly films. We've now solved everything. We're moving on, and it's going to be like this, but we're doing something different. That's a great new setup for where Star Trek could go. Instead, for the last, how many, five to ten years, Star Trek is just dipping its toes in various things and trying to figure out what it, what it could do next. I don't know. That's just how I see what season three represents for me. What what I would love for if if legacy is a thing, if it if it does get confirmed, which you know I think they would be very foolish not to confirm mm. it. Um, if it does get confirmed, I think genuinely they're going to have to find uh, a bit of a better balance between the nostalgia of season three and the new stories that need to be told. I I think you you used the example of Shaw there. Shaw's a fantastic character. I love him in season three. Obviously, you know, everyone, it it was funny, like, you're like, we're not going to like this character, episode nine. If Shaw dies, we riot. You know, things like this. And he served his purpose, don't get me wrong, but give us new characters that we can rally behind. I really like Esmar. We didn't get nearly enough of Esmar, but I still did like them. You've got to give us something new as well, because if it's nostalgia only, there is an end point of that, because you're going to run out of what brought us back. And we have, of course, the end of season three, the sitting down playing the poker. That's brilliant. Where do they go from there? Just to sum up, what's everyone's, out of 10, what are we giving Picard season three? I'm going to give it quite a high, I'm going to give it an eight. Um, I think the things that bring it down for me don't spoil it. They mm-hmm. don't, they don't like really like, yeah, they don't maybe like, oh God, this is happening. There's just things I, okay, that maybe didn't land. Um, I totally understand. I'm such a long-winded person. Eight out of 10, really enjoyed it as a season. <laughs> Wasn't perfect. Really enjoyed it. I was going to say the same. I would say eight as well. Um, I think I'm in a difficult position where I haven't seen a lot of the newer stuff because my my original plan was to watch watch all of Star Trek in release order and make my way to the newer stuff because I I will say that having skipped to Picard and then gone back again, you notice all those kind of big budget differences and um, technological differences, which I, was why I wanted to make my way there. But having not seen a lot of the newer stuff, it's hard to make comparisons because you can compare it to the stuff made in the the 90s or whatever, but is that really a fair comparison? So that could change. It could go up or down. But I think for what it was, for to compare it to what I had seen and for all of the, the callback and fan service that I actually understood, amongst a lot of other things I really enjoyed about it, I would say a solid eight is is a good number. I'm going to give it a two. No, um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I knew I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I think I'm going to give it an A as well, and 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 that's really on the strength of the first four episodes. If they weren't as good as 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 they were, it probably would have been more around a six point five to a seven. Um, still good in my eyes. That's still a great score for something. Yeah, like you were saying, the the, the stuff I liked in it, I liked so much that the things I didn't like 
the later episodes, the choices, the Borg, things like that, um, didn't affect it. I still had a great time. And I still would probably watch the whole season again at some point. Like, it's still it's still something to get enjoyment out of, so... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ellie, you've been gallivanting about the place again. Uh, what have you been up to recently? <laughs> what have I been up to recently? I've been up to a lot. Um, <laughs> I went on a lovely trip to the US of A um, and specifically to to LA, California, Nevada. I did a little bit of a road trip and my, my trip did become more Star Trek oriented than I intended for it to actually be, if I'm honest. Things just tended to happen that I don't know whether it's because I never used to have Trek on my radar there were things that I just didn't notice, mm-hmm. and now I do. Or whether the universe has just decided that now that I am into Trek, it's going to just bring all these Trek things within my vicinity. I mean, before I'd even left the country, at the airport, I was wearing my Captain Liam Shaw t-shirt, courtesy of Todd Stashwick's The Nerd Circus. Um, I walked through security, and the security guard kind of he, he looked at me. And I don't want to generalize what a, a Star Trek fan looks like. But I personally wouldn't say that I look like the stereotypical Star Trek fan at face value. Mm -hmm. This gentleman also did not look to me like a stereotypical Star Trek fan at face value. And when he says to me, who's that on your T-shirt? I was like, oh, God, here goes. I'm going to explain. He's not going to know. It's going to be awkward. And I was like, "Uh, it's Captain Liam Shaw from Star Trek Picard. And he kind of paused him and, yeah, 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 yeah. And it turns out he was a massive Trekkie. We stood there for quite a while talking about various things. Um, he was talking about the Klingons, and it was a very surreal experience, especially when you're walking through security at the airport, and usually they're quite intimidating people, and I was a little bit unsure. And uh, that was before I'd even left the UK. So <laughs> it, it gave a good trekky start to my holiday. But yeah, I went I went out to LA. I did the Hollywood Walk of Fame. So of course, there are a lot of 
recognizable names on the stars there. Um, I don't know if it's all of the original series actors, but I definitely remember Leonard Nimoy was definitely there. William Shatner was definitely there. Walter Koenig. And obviously there's a plaque outside the Chinese theatre with all of their handprints, all of their signatures. And there's a lovely photo of me posing in front of it, which was certainly not embarrassing to take in front of all those people. (laughs) What else did I do? Oh, so this is probably something that I have Mr. Sean Ferrick to partly thank for. Um, But I was incredibly lucky um, to be invited by Mr. Kevin and Dan Hageman, creators of Star Trek Prodigy, to go to the Nickelodeon Animation Studios while I was there, which was absolutely incredible. And I'm very, very, very grateful. I mean, what people don't realize about Trek culture is that the three of us are sat in in our houses. We work on our own for a company who does have offices, but none of us work there. Mm-hmm. And when you're sat in your in your loft recording on your own day after day, you don't really think about, if I go to LA, I'm going to be invited to Nickelodeon by the creators of Star Trek. That's not yeah. something that ever comes into your mind that's a possibility. Um, but it was absolutely incredible. They were, They are absolutely lovely human beings. They showed me around their offices. Um, took a lovely photo with the Holler Janeway cutout, which wasn't my idea, which makes me feel slightly better because I definitely would not have had the guts to ask. Mm-hmm. But as soon as we walked in, I had my hair styled. Mr. Mr. Dan Hageman was like, right, you need to go and stand right there so I can take a photo. And I was very lucky to watch some upcoming episodes of Prodigy Season 2. But I am under strict, strict NDAs to say no more than that other than it's it's going to be good. Did I do anything else? Oh, yeah. I went to the Valley of Fire, which is, you know, desert, rocks, every exterior shot of any planet in Star Trek ever. But I didn't know anything about it. I, you know, I did send, I think I sent a photo to you guys and was like, this totally looks like it should be a Star Trek planet. And that was all I thought of it. (laughs) Turns out on our little leaflet, it said there were lots of walks to do. We didn't do them all. It was boiling hot and it would have taken all day. One of them said that on this trail, there was an old film set. We didn't do that walk. After we'd left and we were hours away, I was informed by someone on Instagram that the Valley of Fire is where they shot Star Trek Generations as the planet surface for Viridian 3. And then something clicked in my head that that film set that I didn't go and see was the remaining set for Star Trek Generations. (laughs) So I slightly annoyed with myself for not taking the time to go and see that but i didn't know if i'd known i would have gone yeah but i did not know that's that. exactly the kind of thing i would have done yeah. i'd have gone to the exact place and then just not not even thought about looking at the thing that's completely linked to what i do for a living i like, oh, whatever go ahead. well it didn't say that it was a star trek set it just said an old film set and i was like yeah. oh it's probably gonna be some like old western facades <laughs> yeah. or something i've seen enough of those it's fine it's gonna take us ages to walk there it's really hot it's we don't need See, to. I'm a massive Western fan. If I thought that, I'd have gone. And if I was like, <laughs> oh, it's Star Trek, whatever, I do that every day. <laughs> um, but that that was what what I'd been up to in LA. And other than that, I'm just continuing on my Star Trek journey. I'm currently on season four of Voyager and loving every second of it. Yeah, you're really into Voyager, aren't you? It's your favorite so far. I it? absolutely Voyager is. I always thought that the Next Generation was my favorite, but I think that's because it's the only one I'd seen. Uh-huh. Because my mum was a massive fan of it. So throughout my childhood, I hadn't like sat down and watched it religiously, but I had watched watched parts of it. 
Yeah. And I was aware of who the characters were. And when we did watch The Next Generation, there were episodes that I'd watch and go, this is familiar. I think I've seen this one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I hadn't really seen any of the others in enough detail to really grasp whether I enjoyed them or not. Voyager, almost instantly, I was like, I really like this one. I'm really yeah. enjoying this one. I think if if anyone isn't aware at this point, Janeway is by far my favourite Star Trek character of all time. I think no that way. certainly helps. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think anyone um, who's been near your social media for a while now. Let's <laughs> forget that. Maybe slightly. See, the um, strange thing, I, I got into Star Trek the same way. I would watch it just randomly when my dad would watch it. And the... And I did not like Voyager at the beginning because the first episode of Voyager I watched, just randomly, I saw Janeway running about with Da Vinci in some like industrial <laughs> park, and I was like, "What is this? Like, this is crap." That um, is the thing, isn't it? You kind of got to be strategic if you're introducing someone to Star Trek as to yeah. what episode you introduce them with. Yeah, you, you, like not encounter at Farpoint. No, no, that's what I was about to say. <laughs> or threshold. Like, oh, don't watch the first episode, and maybe don't watch the first season, and skip to this part of the second season. Yeah, and and, and when they turn into giant salamanders, just ignore that. <laughs> pretend that didn't happen, because they will pretend it didn't happen too. Just a quick note: uh, what you reminded me of when my new Wi-Fi got installed months and months ago. The guy who installed it was a guy called Christopher Dragon. Great name. That's his real name. And um, I didn't tell him what I did for a living, blah, blah, blah. He asked like my neighbor because he was doing their Wi-Fi and they told him and he came back. He was like, you work for Trek Culture? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, I can't believe it. I'm a huge Trek Culture fan. I love Star Trek. I've been watching it for years. He's He used to be in the army. And when him and his, I don't know how these things work, army friends were out and about um you know in different countries and stuff they would they used to get in trouble because they would all go like hunker together and watch episodes of trek culture and that's what got them through when they were out crazy i know it's amazing isn't it and he just happened to just install my wi-fi that's why your wi-fi is so good now he was gonna (laughs) give you the crap well, you know, it's like, no, 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 you're going to get the good stuff. <laughs> he, did, he did give me an extra thing. He was like, just have this. You can have this extra. It will boost your Wi-Fi. I was like, great. <laughs> so <laughs> he was, uh, no, it was lovely. And he was a big fan. And he, he, we spoke to some other people from the company the other day. And he, they were like, he, he doesn't stop talking about it. Like he says, he always says it's the best day that he met, which is bizarre because like you said, I'm some just bloody idiot that lives in the middle of nowhere in the UK I don't think about any, like, who cares? But then there's people that this actually does affect. So it's yeah, cool. It is such a strange notion, isn't it? That so many people see our faces, hear our voices. Yeah. And yet you really can't comprehend that when you're you're just a person. You mm-hmm. know, we're not like some A-list celebrity who gets recognized every five seconds down the street. Like, generally speaking, once that has happened to myself yeah. and Sean. I mean, it's happened to Sean maybe more times. But for me, that happened one time when we yeah. were at a Doctor Who um, time fracture. And that's the kind of place you expect it to happen. <laughs> yeah. So it wasn't really a surprise. <laughs> I think but if it... I got recognised in real life, I'd throw up on myself. I wouldn't know what to do. Sean, you recently went to Comic-Con with Chris mm-hmm. and you filmed a video and stuff there. How was that? You must have met a lot of people there who knew who you were. It, w- it was lovely. Um, so many people who just wanted to talk Trek, mm-hmm. you know, because uh, we've been to... Like I, I've been to two Star Trek exclusive conventions uh, so far, whereas this one was kind of general Comic Con, and oh my god, there's the level of cosplay talent that was on show. It was incredible. I was just like, 
I'm here wearing something that I think is really, really good. And I know I bought this and they just built that and everything. But it was, it was, it was incredible. Like anyone we uh, asked, like, hey, would you like to talk about Star Trek for a couple of minutes? I was like, yep, 100%, no problem at all. And it was just lovely. Uh, and there's so much excitement and there's so much good feeling. Um, there was a few people who did know the channel. There was a few people, and, and that's as well. There's a few people there who are like Trekkies, amazing cosplay, had never heard of the channel. And mm. that's good for our egos. Yeah, it's good yeah, to yeah. stay grounded, you know, <laughs> um, because, yeah, it is. It's because you're in this, you're in this micro kind of cosm as well. So even though we're online and everyone is spread throughout the world, it's like, remember, there is a whole world out there. We're not the only starter channel. It's totally cool. Everyone enjoy. Oh, I just got fired for saying watch other starter channels. <laughs> <laughs> it was just it this lovely sense of just this sense of community. Mm-hmm. You know, I find that with Trekkie, even when Trekkies are tearing each other to pieces every other week, you know, there's still a community element to it. Um, I get that in the wider sense. You get that with just geeks and nerds in general. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, we're walking yeah. through Comic-Con where on, you know, one side you've got Captain Kirk, on the other side you've got Pyramid Head from Silent Hill. <laughs> and yet everyone is there just to show their passion. And that is so, so cool. Oh, guys. Oh, we're uh, hailing frequencies or something. Uh, we're, this is usually the segment where we would have questions from Twitter and people online. Uh, but as it's the first episode, we'll be doing that next time. For now, I've got questions from my friend Jordan. So I'm going to get those up and uh, ask some of them to you guys now. Uh, I very quickly gave up with the whole f- hailing frequency facade. Let's see if I can keep that up for future episodes. <laughs> <laughs> hailing, I don't know, something. <laughs> <laughs> okay, a simple question, um, and we'll try and keep this short, uh, which you guys have probably be, uh, asked a billion times, um, is favourite Star Trek episode, if you had to choose one. We'll start with, I can see Ellie's face, so I'll start with Sean, and then we'll go to Ellie. <laughs> Uh, favorite episode, The Visitor, DS9 season four. Um, um, very, it's between that and Tapestry. They're both sort of what if stories. Tapestry is effectively It's a Wonderful Life, and The Visitor is one of the most beautiful hours of television that I've ever watched. So, nice, easy answer for me. It's between Tapestry, The Visitor, and Threshold. <laughs> Ellie, that's a good one there. Um, so this is actually really interesting because I haven't seen all of Star Trek. So mm-hmm. this always changes and isn't necessarily for the right reasons. Like it's not necessarily the best episode ever or the greatest story, but because of where I'm at and, and the characters that I'm seeing, I it will be no surprise to people. Um, I am a, an avid Janeway Chakotay shipper from what I've seen so far. So an episode that I really enjoyed watching was Resolutions. I'm not saying that it's maybe the best episode and it didn't have its flaws and its issues. There were parts of it that I was a bit like, why is there a monkey? But but having said that, I liked that it was a story that explored a very different path to what we're used to seeing in Star Trek. You know, it was kind of a, again, a what-if situation of if these regulations are removed and if these obstacles were removed how would relationships be different and what restrictions are put on characters because of the positions they're in 
that for better or worse affect their their lives their feelings and i really enjoyed watching that dynamic between the characters and it also kind of opened my eyes to the fact that they clearly were setting something up in the early days that later on they completely decided to just scrap and ignore um which makes sense for for certain reasons but also for people like me are like what were you doing you got my hopes up and then you just completely ignored it for the rest of the series my favorite episode is hollow pursuits in tng uh nice. love barkley love a holodeck episode and i think it's there's a brilliant message in that about how to treat people with respect and as humans and finding their finding who, what they're good at without um you know just dismissing them i think that's a great message and it's the perfect star trek sort of message within a science fiction tale i think it's light-hearted but also there's an emotional weight to it which i really like did you ever think that your passion would turn into your job? I always wanted to, well, from a reasonably young age, wanted to be an actor. So I always thought that maybe one day if I was lucky, I might end up being able to act on a TV show that I was a big fan of. But when I was younger, I like in secondary school and things, I kind of didn't, I was kind of embarrassed by my kind of my favourite things to watch because, you know, I didn't want to be labelled as the geek or the nerd or whatever and, so I wasn't very forthcoming with my love for sci-fi and things like that. Now, on the other hand, I look at other people and I'm like, my job is to literally talk about my favorite TV shows for a living. <laughs> I get to do that and I get paid for it. And it's it's not just me pretending it's a job. This is genuinely what I do. Mm -hmm. And who could have ever imagined that that's actually something that's possible? I remember even not that long ago, kind of start of uh, start of the apocalypse, I was working in a completely different career um i you know i like to write i've been a writer my whole life but there was no kind of there was no outlet other than you know my blog or or something like that long since defunct by the way that's not me uh trying to advertise a blog. <laughs> um and then i'm flicking through youtube one day and i see what culture was looking for writers for a star trek channel and just like i literally have nothing to lose um and I sent in an application that was more or less take down the help wanted sign, lads. So I've got this. <laughs> um, and yeah, and you know, it just it went well. I I thought maybe I'd do one, you know. And then they said, "Would you like to do another?" And I said, "Absolutely, yes." Uh, and then Earth closed, um, and suddenly I had more time. And of course, so you're kind of balancing between re-watching Star Trek for the 110 millionth time <laughs> and going how can I write something about it and then it just thankfully uh it took off um and it's a bit a big thank you to Chris so you know Chris is you know, the the long suffering has had to put up with 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 all of us in general um it was basically him who pushed for me to be a presenter um and I was initially perfectly just satisfied just to be a writer I was like, no, that's fine. That's what I do. That's what I was happy to do. And then, no, he uh, took a chance on me. And now I am a gazillionaire. And <laughs> I have a private shuttle. And um, I will be sharing none of those funds with anyone because, hey, it's not my fault. You don't understand the Ferengi rules of acquisition. I would add to that, though, on the lines of Chris being a wonderful human being. As someone who hadn't watched very much Star Trek and only worked for Who Culture at the time. 
and was asking for more work, I'm very grateful that he gave me the chance, knowing that I didn't have much Trek knowledge, to actually prove that I could do it. I could learn the lingo and research the things I wasn't wasn't sure about and put in the time and effort. And he gave me that chance. And now I I think I can say with confidence that I am a big fan of Star Trek. And that would not have been the case if I hadn't been given this job. I also would love to, let's, uh, Chris's head's going to explode by the end of this episode. <laughs> um, he is, it's thanks to him that I'm here doing this right now. Um, and I think Chris believed in me more than I believed in myself most of the time. I have extreme imposter syndrome, so I doubt myself every second of doing anything. And he could see my sort of skill and talent and want to edit and got me, you know, full time uh, in the company. And I'm presenting because of him basically now, and I'm doing this podcast because of him. So he's a, he's a good boy, that Chris. So <laughs> now I'm only 50% miserable all the time. So thanks, Chris. Yeah, that's it, I suppose, for our first episode of the Trek Culture podcast. Um, thanks, everyone, for doing this. Thanks for doing the episode during the first heat wave of in the UK where I smell like a Christmas ham right about now because of all the hot heat and sweat. Thanks Ellie for coming on. Ellie's our first guest on our first episode. And we'll probably, I think we're going to catch up with you every so often on the podcast, seeing how you are with your journey in Trek in uh, Star Trek and what you're enjoying, what you're not, etc. Yep. I can do that. You'll yeah. hear about it anyway. I'll be texting yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> Ellie, where can we, where can we find you? What you're up to, etc. Um, Well, obviously on all our channels. So, you know, yeah. Trek culture. Who culture? We'll just we'll give Who culture a little shout out, you know. Yeah, yeah. They it's work, our we work baby hard brother. over there too. We work hard. Yeah. Um, and obviously on all the all the social medias, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Don't use that as much anymore. But I mean, you just search Ellie Little Child. There's not many Ellie Little Childs That's in true. the world. So if you search my name, you're probably going to find me. If there's Star Trek posts, Doctor Who posts, that's probably me. Yeah, and if it says Ellie Littlewood or Sean Ferrick, that might be Ellie Littlechild as well. So just be careful. <laughs> you can always and... tell the difference because Ellie's beard is much better than mine. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, likewise, you find me obviously Trek culture, Who culture. Uh, I've just started popping up at What Culture Horror. That's my little secret. Uh, my secret passion is horror as well. <laughs> secret, I mean. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm on. I'm on the various socials. I'm Sean Ferrick on Twitter. What am I these days on Instagram? Prince Trek. Or Sean Ferrick eighty eight, so. either of them, um, whichever whichever one you want, um, and yeah, I'm on TikTok as well, but a bit like Ellie. I mean, I'm there, but um, yeah, do it, do, <laughs> don't worry about it. What about you, Tom? Where can we find you? Uh, you can. I'm Tom C Finn uh, on most socials, Twitter, Instagram, things like that. Um, so search that or Tom Roberts Finn. I might be as well. You can catch me on new episodes of uh trek culture where people complain about my boring voice uh, i've got a podcast as well called creative roots with tc roberts finn that um sean's been on marcus has been on a bunch of other people if you want to listen to people talk about their life uh, and career and how they got to where they are i've had actors writers etc uh doctor who fans i've had strax from doctor who um on it so it's a uh, it's a fun time and I never have the time to do it anymore. So if people do want to watch it and listen to it, I'll do more. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And um, we'll see you next time. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.